Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Wednesday morning. It is a beautiful day here in Hamilton, Ohio. Our Chatterbox Studios, we welcome you to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way 10 a.m. to high noon, Monday through Friday, Eastern Time. You can watch us on YouTube, Chatterbox Sports page. We also stream live, although not today, on Facebook. We've been having some technical issues over there, but you can find us here most days on the Chatterbox Sports page. If you'd like to join us in podcast form, just simply search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. You may remember we talked last week about starting pitchers in baseball. If they have 32, 34 starts over the course of a season, they'd have about eight or nine where they have great stuff. They'd have another 15, 16 where their stuff's kind of right in the middle and they got a battle to succeed in a game. And then there will be, you know, seven, eight, nine, depends on the guy, where you just don't have it. Well, for the first time this young season, Nick Lodolo fell into that latter category. The talented Reds left-hander simply did not have it last night. The numbers bear that out. Four and two-thirds innings, 12 hits, allowed eight runs. Tampa Bay was on everything Lodolo threw up there in a 10-0 win over the Red Legs. The two teams have split the first two games of the series. Rubber game today. We also talked about how the Reds needed to make a change in their number four and five spots in the rotation. Those guys weren't getting it done. Well, Connor Overton has already been replaced by Luke Weaver. Weaver will make his first start this weekend. And today, Luis Sessa is being replaced in the rotation by Levi Stout. No, that's not Levi Strauss. Paul, you didn't even know who Levi Strauss was. I knew the name. I just see that's a difference again. Your generation, Casey, you know, you guys, highbrow, got to wear a certain kind of blue jean. It's kind of a hip thing. It's true. Levi Strauss was the first manufacturer of blue jeans in the world. And I mean, they're still the best blue jeans in the world. Hence the name Levi's. Yes. Hence the name Levi's. Uh, but Levi Stout is the 14th ranked prospect in the Reds organization. And today, the Pennsylvania native makes his major league debut. 25-year-old right-hander came over in that big deal with Seattle a year ago. He's 0-1 at Louisville so far this season. First pitch for 1040. And as we like to say, boys, tickets are available. Thank you. Just before the game last night, this was really good news for Reds fans. The team announced that Hunter Green has been given a six-year, $53 million contract. Get this. Green is the only player on the team with a guaranteed contract for next season. Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers became the 117th pitcher in baseball history to reach 200 wins in a career last night. The 35-year-old future Hall of Famer beat the Mets 5-0. It's worth noting that among all those pitchers with 200 wins, Kershaw has the highest winning percentage, 694, highest of all of them. Kershaw joins Don Sutton and Don Drysdale as the only three Dodger pitchers to win 200 games in a career. The Brewers won again last night, 6-5 in extra innings against Seattle. Craig Council's team 13-5 and on the year. Meanwhile, the Cardinals lose again. Cardinals are now 7-11 and to start the year. In the NBA, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker combined for 63 points as the Phoenix Suns, even their best-of-seven series, opening round series at a game apiece with the Clippers. 123-109 the final. Game three is Thursday in L.A. Darius Garland pours in 32 as the Cavaliers blow out the New York Knicks. That's in Cleveland. 107-90, that series even at a game apiece. They now move to Madison Square Garden, where Paul Fritzner's still on the scoreboard there, I'm sure. That's true. Boston hammered Atlanta to go up two games to none in that series. Tonight, the Lakers square off with the number two seed Memphis Grizzlies. L.A. won game one behind big games from LeBron and Anthony Davis. Other games tonight 
include Miami at Milwaukee. Giannis listed as doubtful in that game. You may remember, he left game one with an injured back. The Nuggets look to take a 2-0 lead in their series against Minnesota. Tomorrow night, the defending champion Warriors host Sacramento in game three, with the Kings up two games to none. Golden State will be without Draymond Green, who was suspended for one game after his ejection from the game two nights ago. And in the NHL, the Rangers and Lightning were winners in game one last night. Out west, Seattle shocks Colorado, and the Jets beat Vegas. Football news. Yuck. Tell you what, I know Casey likes to sit around here and badmouth them all the time. But the Steelers continue to quietly put together a solid offseason. This is going to be a good team. Pending a physical, the men of aluminum are expected to make a trade for Rams wide receiver Allen Robinson in the next couple of days. The Steelers are only giving up two seventh-round draft picks to get him. Yikes. Allen Robinson. Tell you what, men of aluminum, their skill positions look good. Better watch out, Casey. They'll still stink. It's nice to see our buddy Sir Boy Wonder is back in the house. We've been a little bit worried about the old boy. We were talking about him before the show today. Good to have him back and all the rest. It's always great to have my dad, the Hall of Famer, Marty Brenneman, join us. He is uh, back uh, in OHIO. After spending some time hobnobbing with all the big wigs from, uh, you know, the Norfolk, Virginia Beach area through Chapel Hill and Salisbury, and now back on the home front. How goes it there, young man? Everything is fine, Tom. Thank you for asking. Everything is, could not be better. The weather's getting better here. Uh, I, I can't think of anything that would make it even better than it is right now. Well, I can think of something better, and that's a Marymont win tonight in lacrosse. That would make it better. Yeah, I've got to have a full report. I can't make that one tonight, but I think that's got a chance to be a butt with it. Well, that's against Summit Country Day. That's the crowd you run with, Paul. That's the it. liberal elitist <laughs> over there at Summit Country Day. That's your How about crowd. it, Paulie? That's me. Paulie, is that you? <laughs> That's what? all you. He asks, that's is that you? you? That is you. No, that's that's you. Yeah, that's, that's me, all right. That's me. Okay, well, I'm, I'm glad we could confirm that as fact. Well, it is. <laughs> Believe me, he knows it. It's a fact. Um, first of all, uh, the Hunter Green deal. Were you surprised yeah. by it? Yes, I was very surprised by it. I, I, I say I was surprised, you know, looking at this whole situation and the fact that he. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Huh? We lost you there for a minute. Go ahead and start oh, from the I, beginning, you know, if you would, please. It's that it's yeah, high, high-octane yeah. internet you use. Yeah, I know that. Um, I said that, you know, I was initially surprised, but um, not so much when I started to think about it, given the fact that he's, what, 23 years old? His sky, his ceiling is limitless. Um, not surprised at all. However, I think it begs the question, then what are you going to do with people like Nick Lodolo and, and Graham Ashcraft? I mean, the so-called big three. You've, you've cast your lot now with Hunter Green. Um, but at this stage of their careers, um, I, I don't know that you could say, anybody could say with any certainty, that Hunter Green is going to have a better career than Nick Lodolo and or Graham Ashcraft. At the same time, uh, again, going back to what I said initially, after I got over this somewhat surprise, uh, I realized that it, in the long term, it's probably going to be a pretty good deal for this club. Um, we, we had talked about it last week about how the Reds were going to have to do something with the number four and five spots in their rotation because, you know, you just look at the last two starts combined, Overton and then Sessa giving up nine in the first inning on Sunday. Uh, he had to gobble up a couple of more innings after that. But those two guys just right. weren't getting it done. And most people feel like Sessa's better in the bullpen anyway. Um, yeah. And, and so now all of a sudden you got Luke Weaver. Uh, and you have the young man making his major league debut today here in just a couple of hours in Levi's Stout. What are your thoughts? You, you can't be surprised they were making those changes, right? 
You know, I said before the first pitch was ever thrown, when I came back from Arizona, that the two weak links were going to be there four and five spots in the rotation. And, and it, it turned out to be exactly that. Uh, and I agree with what this team has done. Uh, you know, you can look at it a lot of different ways. Um, but at the same time, given the inability of Overton and Sessa to pitch well in any of their starts, whatever you do can't be any worse. So you have to try and see by uh, you know, putting Luke Weaver out there, and certainly Luke Weaver has some experience pitching in the big leagues, and then giving Levi Stout a shot uh, in his first big league start this afternoon against Tampa Bay. you got to do something. You can't leave those guys in that four and five spot uh, and, and, and continually go to your bullpen as early as uh, they had to do uh, with these guys when their turns came up to pitch. So I don't, I don't think that that's a problem. And I think that it, they, they simply have to find somebody <clears throat> to do a reasonable job. And you're not asking them, after all, there are four and five starters. So you're not talking about a number one, two, or three. You're talking about the back end of your, or your rotation. Uh, you've got to find somebody that can do a decent job and give you a reasonable number of innings uh, sometime when they go out there. Uh, if you don't, it's really going to be a long year. I mean, people talk about, you know, this club's now 7-10 and 10 after getting blown out last night. At the same time, uh, they've gotten off to a better start than they did last year. But then again, you could say, well, you couldn't get off to a worse one. But they have shown some improvement if you're going from year to year. Uh, they have to find somebody that can pitch decently in that four, number five spot, and and hopefully uh, Luke Weaver and and um, and Levi, Levi Stout. Stout will be the answer. Yeah. Um, when when um, when when you think about you know circling back a second, uh, I, I had made note in the monologue that uh, Hunter Green is the only player with Joey Votto's contract uh, expiring, the ten-year deal at the end of this year. Hunter Green is the only guy that they know for sure is on the books for next year as far as a guaranteed contract is concerned. Uh, look, you've forgotten more about it than I have. I can never remember any team I have ever covered where that was the case. Oh, well, don't forget Ken Griffey Jr. He's still well, on the books. Okay, all right, all right, Ken Griffey Don't forget Jr. that. Right. Um, but no, I know what you're saying, and and I would I would uh, concur with you 100%. I can't remember ever uh, that this franchise has gone into a season that they did not financially owe anybody any money uh, as they were positioned to do until the announcement about Green's contract. But still, that's the only one. Um, and if you average it out, what he signed a six-year contract for. Uh, or nine years, well, how many years was it? Six years for $53 million. Okay, so you're talking roughly $9 million yep. a year. Uh, let's face facts now. I mean, in, in, this in this world of professional athletics, that's pocket change. So um, I, I think they're in a great position uh, to do what they did with Hunter Green. And also it makes you wonder if they were willing to commit to Green right now and all the speculation beyond 2023 relevant to Joey Votto and the option that the club can pick up, it's a one-way option. I, it certainly would appear to me to, to believe that they have no intention of picking up that option beyond 2023. If they're willing to commit that kind of money to Hunter Green, even though it is $9 million on average per year. Um, you know, you say that, and, and I, I wonder, and it, it, this has to be true, because in business in general, and the Reds are a business, you know, you've got to have your one-year plan, your three-year plan, your five-year plans from an economic standpoint, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody out there knows that. Now, all of a sudden, this Bally's sports thing. We saw this coming yeah. from, you know, eight miles away. I said it on this show months ago. It was going to be the single biggest story in sports period, this year, how it's going to Correct. affect. The only sport it's not going to affect is the NFL, but hockey, Correct. NBA, baseball. Okay, now we know uh, some further details have come out about how in the Reds situation, they're in a very different situation than the teams that already filed a lawsuit against Bally's in the Guardians, the Brewers, uh, and uh, the Twins and the Diamondbacks, where they didn't get their money either. 
and they lumped into a lawsuit with Major League Baseball. The Reds are in a different scenario, apparently, because when they negotiated their deal in 2017, part of that deal, rather than getting a lot more money cash handed to the team, was the Reds were given an ownership stake in Bally's. So technically, they can't be a part of a lawsuit against Bally's because they're part owner of Bally's. What right. do you think is going to happen? Are you hearing anything about what might happen here? No. I mean, I, I was told a month, a month ago, don't worry about 2023. That's no matter what happens, that's taken care of. The Reds will be on, on TV, on on uh, you know Valley Sports for the rest of the season, no matter what happens. The elephant in the room, obviously, is what happens beyond 2023. And I've heard no speculation whatsoever uh, in terms of, of what might occur, who might be involved in it, who might be interested in it, if anybody. Um, it's going to be, and I'm sure that there are things going on behind the scenes right now, uh, almost 24-7, trying to figure out uh, how we're going to keep all these teams on television and available to their loyal fans on a year-in, year-out basis, a situation that nobody has ever had to deal with. In the yeah. history of television and baseball at the big league level, th this is you're walking a path that nobody's ever had to walk before. Um, Major League Baseball, uh, if you, I, I assume after May the 6th, they're going to pick up all expenses as far as the Reds are concerned for the end of the till the end of the season. Um, I don't know where you go after that. Uh, it, as I say, I think it's going to be a very interesting thing, and it's the type of thing that has to be addressed right now. They have to do something about this looking down the road to 2024. They can't wait next week or next month or or in July. They've got to deal with this thing because it's going to come up on them very, very quickly. And, and, and what direction they go in uh, is truly going to be very, very interesting to watch uh, as this whole thing unfolds. Yeah, I don't know. know how baseball I don't I don't know how in the world that they could have gotten themselves in a the position that they're in right now. I, I, it's, it's beyond my comprehension uh, to deal with a company that uh, overpaid to begin with uh, rights fees in order to manage what uh, 16, 17 teams yep. and, and the teams not not scratch the step back and scratch their heads and said well wait a minute now let's look at this whole thing and how much of an expenditure you people have and and and, and whether or not we're not going to have a problem down the road uh, and maybe maybe somebody did say that and, and whatever answer they got coming back to them satisfied them i don't know but it's a real mess there's no question about that mm -hmm. and as you said it's not only particular to it's not particular to baseball it's the nhl and it's the nba also you know, the, 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 th the thing that I don't understand, and it's above my pay scale, but I know people that I could call and ask about this, and, and I'm going to certainly do that over the weekend because you need time to try and dissect this, is the thing I have a hard time understanding, and it's got to be, like you said, for what they paid to buy these RSNs, technically from Disney, Fox was forced to spin this off in an FCC deal. Disney bought it. Uh, then turned around and sold it to Sinclair, the parent company of Bally's, Diamond Sports, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, I mean, this was a money-making machine when Fox had it. Uh, many will remember that when Fox had this thing, th that's when News Corp decided to split off into two different companies where they had Fox Television, Fox News, the Big Ten Network, and the RSNs all under one umbrella because they were printing money on this deal. And now all of a sudden, here we are three years out of their ownership of this thing. Two companies have since bought it. And now you got one losing their ass where they can't even, they can't pay anybody. I just don't know how that happens. Does this mean Fox is smarter than everybody else in this situation? I, I, they I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it has something to do with the fact that, you know, when they started this thing, they owned the whole thing. And so it wasn't like you were buying it for, you know, $7 billion for somebody else. There were startup costs, but not to that extent. Uh, I don't right. know if all of a sudden the rights fees went through the roof. 
where all of a sudden in Fox's days, you know, although Fox was the one who negotiated this deal with the Reds in 2017, yeah. they still, I don't know. Anyway, um, we'll see how it all plays out. But, um, you know, w when I look at, you know, you and I have talked about Rob Manfred. I, I give him all the credit in the world for pushing through these rule changes because it has made the sport far more enjoyable to watch. But I, I have a hard time believing that he's really got this plan in place to keep games on the air for some of these teams. Oh, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, you know, he's not been – he's been very – he's been vague other than saying that, you know, we've got a plan in place uh, that hopefully will take care of this problem uh, and, and has not extended himself any further than that by way of explanation. Uh, this may be one of the greatest tests that he's ever been confronted with in, in the years in which he's been commissioner of baseball. And if he can pull this thing off, um, you know, and, 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 and make everybody happy and, and, and return this whole situation to some semblance of normalcy, um, I'm going to be a little bit more in favor of him, not that I am very much to begin with. Uh, but certainly I would give him a check mark beside his name for being able to make this thing work when right now it looks like a complete unmitigated mess. I almost wonder, Dad, if we're not going to see in some of these markets, and, and let's zero in on here on Cincinnati, I'm not so sure we're not going to see um, local channels. Now, Sinclair owns Channel 12 here in town, so I don't know how that whole thing would work. Again, I'm not right. smart enough to figure it out. But, I mean, if you're Channel 19 and you're Channel 5, and your channel nine, I mean, could you see where they just go, you know, roughly 50, 50, 50 number of games and they have three different, you know, stations televising the games? Well, they, you, you bring up an interesting situation. I mean, it's certainly thought provoking. Um, the only question, the, the biggest question I would have in a situation like that, and we can all go back to remembering, uh, at least you and I can. Uh, remembering because you were a part of it when Channel 5 was the sole owner of the Reds on television in this market forever. And and uh, I think now today the question I would have is time has gone by and now we're thinking about the possibility of going to three of the stations in the market locally and saying, okay, let's divvy up, let's for the sake of argument, 150 of 162 and each station carrying 50 games um, nobody will be known as, you know, the TV voice of the Cincinnati Reds. It will be three TV voices. Um, we will use the same personnel. Nothing will change if uh, 50 games uh, end for uh, Channel 5 and the next 50 go to Channel 9. Uh, everything will be visually will be the same. How big now do the networks come into play? in terms of their willingness to allow the local stations to preempt network yep. telecast and network time in favor of televising the Cincinnati Reds. Maybe it was not as tough back in the 60s and 70s and that it, than it is right now. And that, that to me would be the biggest single burden that they would have to overcome in order for them to pull something like that off. That's a, that's a great point because, you know, I remember back when I was doing the games on Channel 5, uh, and, and it's hard to believe for young people today, but back in those days, outside of really the, the Mets, the Cubs, and uh, the Braves, the Braves. Uh, every local market was only doing about 55, 60 maybe games a year, and that's the reason why you couldn't do more than that is because NBC, in this case Channel 5, they've got their primetime programming. They don't want all of a sudden that getting preempted by some ball game in Cincinnati or anywhere else. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see. Last thing I want to ask you about, because it's been brought up in the chat, and it was brought up by your good friend and mine yesterday, Tracy Jones, who had to come on the show early yesterday because he had a very important date with you and taping what he said. The name of the show is, in his belief, Jones and Brenneman. Jones and Brenneman on baseball. I said to him, That's I corrected correct. him. I said, I've never heard it said that way. I've heard it said Brenneman and Jones on baseball. Uh, what's the real deal? What's the answer on that thing? Hey, look. I mean, let's be honest about this thing now. We all know it's Brenneman and Jones. 
if he wants to live under the delusion <laughs> and it makes him feel better to call it Jones and Brenneman, all I'm doing is extending the hand of Christian fellowship to him and allowing him to call it whatever the heck he wants to call it. Well, that's very kind of you. Very well, kind. I mean, you know, we, we have a, we have an affection for Tracy Jones. Yeah. I know you do. I certainly do. Um, whatever makes him happy because he, you know, he's got a little diva in him. And so you have to, oh. you have to play, you have to play to that and you have to try and temper that. Um, and if you can do that by calling the show Jones and Brenneman on baseball, then I'm good for that. I don't care. Are, are you comfortable with him giving marital advice to Casey McAllister, who's about to get married in June? Tracy has offered him a lot of advice, whether it's financial, whether it's, um, you know, uh, intimacy, whether it's whatever it is, even raising funds for uh, his wedding coming up in June. Uh, are you comfortable knowing Trey, you know him better than the rest of us. Are, are you comfortable with him giving that kind of advice to a young, impressionable young man? Casey, this is a word to the wise. I would, I would be very, very careful. I would not be impetuous in pulling the trigger on any facet of your impending marriage and something that you hold dearly and hope that it lasts for a lifetime, especially coming from him, that that would not be a good idea on your part. And I think down the road, if you cast your lot with everything that he recommended that you do, you just might as well bend over and kiss your butt goodbye. <laughs> I think that is the most sound advice I've had throughout the whole process, Marty. Well, I, I feel better now for ha Tom having asked that question and me giving an opportunity, being given an opportunity to offer you some advice, albeit in a very, very general sort of way. All right. Well, Dad, we thank you. Casey, thanks you, Paul. Anything you guys have before we let him go? He's, he's a busy guy. He's got stuff going on. I, I do have one thing. Um, I've been meaning to, to do this. I just keep forgetting it. It's on my table. I have an invitation for you, Marty, to the wedding. <laughs> I just keep yes. getting to to get an address or something so I can send it to you. So I'll, I'll hope. When is it, Casey? Huh? When is it? June third of this year. Right around the corner. I know it is. I got to check my schedule and see if I'm in town or I'm in Europe. No, um, oh, see, I would be. That's I would what I mean. Honored. Big league operator. I mean, he's not saying to us, "I got to see if I'm going down to you know wherever." Lake Lorelei or something out in Brown County. No, Europe. Well, I'll leave that for you guys. I'll leave <laughs> the, the ham Lake Lorelei. Well, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Did Tracy call you a ham and egger? No, I don't think so. Why? Oh, he said he did. See? He did. Well, see, he also is, it, 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 he also is susceptible to telling falsehoods. So yes, I, that's yes. another reason why I'd be careful. All right. Well, Dad, we'll let you go. We thank you, as always, for the time. A big hit in our chat. Everybody, you know, wanting to just tell you hello, and they miss you doing the games and all that kind of thing. So thanks for the thank time you. today. All right, buddy. Good talking with you all. All right. See you next we week. You. We'll talk to you I later. I love you, too. All right. Bye-bye. Now, there you have it, Casey. Now, that's real advice. And you got to remember now, I mean, Tracy Jones has only been married twice. <laughs> Only the Hall of Famer plus one. I mean, <laughs> only but, twice. Only twice. Hall of Famer is three. But, uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm getting great advice from Hall of Famers, five team MLB players. I mean, you're right. It's, it's a delicate balance. I got to find a happy medium, right? Well, I mean, look, if I were you, uh, and this is just my opinion, okay, there's something to be said, and I will say this, and I am never a big proponent. My mom and dad were divorced. They split up after we had moved from Virginia to Cincinnati. It's a very difficult thing for kids, okay? We, there's no doubt about it. It's tough for the, for the parents.
Um, it's interesting, though, you know, do you learn more from the person who's been married, say, 25 years, right? Right. And everybody out there agrees. I mean, marriage is not easy, okay? It can be the greatest thing in the world, and, man, there are nights where you're just like, you got to be kidding. And, that, and that's the truth. That is the truth. Are you better off picking the brain, or is it a combination? Are you better off picking the brain and getting marital advice or tips from someone who's been married to the same person for 25 years? Or a person who, you know, went down that road, learned some lessons, all right, let's try it again. Went down that road, and in Tracy's case, still going strong. Marty's case, second one, you know, thought, okay, learned some lessons here over 20-plus years, which he was, and now all of a sudden, you know, like that Lou guy commercials. He's on number three. <laughs> so, I mean, wh where do you think? I'm curious to hear, you two guys. This is a, this, I think this is a good question, albeit not on sports. But where do you think you get the most solid <clears throat> advice, or is it a combination? I, I'll start with you, Casey. I personally think it's a combination because, well, just from my experience on – both sides of the family on Alex's side and, and my side. My mom and dad have been together for 25 plus years. My in-laws, I think, are going on 20 or are at 20 plus years. So they, I have very good role models sure. there in that, yeah. on that perspective. And they yep. both have very different stories. Um, and then, you know, I think it's important to have the other side told to you as well, because you, if you're not exposed to that side at all, you just don't know going into it. So I think it's important to have both. What do you think? Yeah, I think part of it is a judgment of character, right? Because if you see somebody who's been married three times and you don't necessarily trust them or you don't like that person or you think to yourself, oh, well, there's a reason that they've been married three times then maybe you don't take as much advice from them. But at the same time, on the, on the other side of that coin, if you see legitimate reasons for, oh, this didn't work out or this didn't work out and things happen, I, I know somebody very well uh, who's been married three times, and I trust that person a lot, mm -hmm. and they've talked with me about just stuff. I mean, not that I'm engaged or getting married anytime soon, mm. but... No, we'll see about that, but go ahead. <laughs> but, but, I mean, we have, you know, we have kind of like had those conversations, and I also have... A lot of family, obviously, that has, has been married for a long time. And uh, I just think to myself, you know, I, I think there are good and bad things to be taken from both sides. And uh, marriage, is a, it's a huge decision, Casey. It's, it's a big thing you got to think about. It's a big thing that you got to plan for. And it's not all sunshine and roses. And, you know, the, the more you can learn, the more you can talk to people, the more you can figure things out from every angle, the better off you'll, you'll be and the more prepared you'll be. Amen. 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 I do think the best advice I ever got, and this is going to be very controversial for Ooh, just a minute. Uh -oh, here we go. go. Let's get into the weeds Controversial Casey. I love let's it. Let's go. The best advice I got was moving in with Alex, like living with the person. Because you get some you differing know? opinions on that. Yeah, you do. You get a lot of differing opinions. Um, and it's, to me, I think – in the future, I will even advise my children if the case presents. Oh, itself, it's coming sooner rather than later, but go ahead to, to really consider living with the person first, because you don't know what they're like without the parents being around or, you know, when it's just the two of you all the time responsible for things, you get a better understanding of who that person is. Tom, there was no funnier moment in the time that Casey and I have worked together here in this last eight or nine months. No funnier moment. We've had some funny moments than what the week after you guys moved in yeah. and you got Casey gets back. It's probably the next Monday. I hope I'm not overstepping a bound here. Go ahead. It's probably the next Monday. Casey walks in and I go, Casey, you know, you've been stressing for a month about this house. I mean, we heard it on the show, right? I mean, Casey, poor Casey over here was a, a poor ball of stress for probably three straight, four straight right. weeks about this house. 
he comes into me. I said, Casey, how was the first week in the house? He goes, oh, you know, it's pretty quiet. I said, well, what's that mean? He goes, well, you know, you were coming from living with your family, and he said, it's, it's just a change. It's, it's pretty quiet. Okay, I said, Joe. well, that's good. You'll learn to live with that. That's exactly you go, right. You go from living in a crowded home and living in the west side of Cincinnati to the nice <laughs> suburbs of Mason. Well, that's it. There's no doubt. That is a shock to the system. And that's the way it's going to be around our house. I'm not looking forward to it. I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, you know, and a lot of you out there know who are on the chat. I mean, you know, you, 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 you're blessed to have kids. Um, you know, you do all the things that you do with your kids, no matter what it is, academically, athletically, relationships, you know, emotions and ups and downs and puberty and blah, 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 blah. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, like we're going to be staring down the barrel, Polly and me. Uh, Polly and I are going to be looking at empty house. Hmm. And I know she's going to be looking at me like going, who are you again? Who? <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, Ham and Eggers, take it for a minute. We are only on the air for an hour today. We had Dan uh, McLaughlin. I mean, it's a crazy story. We're supposed to have him on today. Uh, and his, one of his kids is, a, I guess, a fantastic golfer, plays in a bunch of national stuff, high school kid. He has something in his basement where he hit the ball against a wall, whatever it was. Well, his son's down there with a buddy last night, and his son is hitting driver into this net. Apparently, on the follow-through, his friend was standing too close to him and hits a kid right in the mouth with his driver, knocks out his front two teeth. And so they are, uh, you know, hanging out with his family and his kid. And so he had to bail on us. He'll join us again next week. Ham and Eggers, take it away. All right. It's that time of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Uh, I think we're going to talk just very briefly here in a few minutes about the Bengals. They signed a sponsorship deal today. I think we got, we got to talk about. But we'll, we'll talk about that when Tom comes back. And the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. Great job. Did I hit it? I think I hit it. I think I did it today. I did it. You know what else we have to talk about? Right here. We have a whole box of it over here to our, to my right, to our right. Pawnee water. Uh, it's a new premium alkaline water. It's made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Pawnee uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that many other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water that is also the best tasting water in the world. Visit their website at pawneewater.com. That is P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. See it right there. I don't know if there's a glare. P a h h n i water.com. And just to let you all know, I've ta- I've tested it. I've tested it. It's it's legit. Yeah, it's Casey legit. did a pH test on the water. Your mom did. Yeah, well, we we it's over eight. It might be nine. It's pretty damn good. It's good water for you. Um, I even tested. So because I tested Pawnee water yesterday, I actually tested the Mason public water that went through my Brita filter. So it's even filtered out to that degree. And I was very shocked. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still, it's in between, it's still neutral, but it's like almost grazing on the acidic side. You know, okay. So, <laughs> so have you ever heard, I would love to hear Tom's thoughts on this. I'm going to wait until Tom sits down because this is, this is something I'm glad you bring this up. So Tom, we're talking about the acidity of water and, Casey was talking about running the water. We're talking about Pawnee yes. first. Yes. And then and then Casey actually, I mean, he's getting down to business. Your mom, right? Yeah. 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 She wanted to test it and it came out very good. A very good test. So he runs the Mason water through a Brita filter. Tests that. Right. For acidity, I guess, right? And yeah. it was it was neutral, but it was on the, the fringe of being acidic. So I was kind of surprised when, when I did the test because that was through a Brita filter. Couldn't imagine what the actual public water without the filter. Yeah. yeah. So here, here's my question. Tom, have you ever heard of the Navage? 
Yes, I have. Do you use it? My wife uses it regularly. I do not. Have you ever tried to use I it? I have not. Okay, so I, I hear it's fantastic. So I bought one. Casey, do you know what the Navage is? Is it like a filter? It's or? a it's a thing for your nose. It's a sinus thing. It's one of those things where you shoot water up and then it comes out the other side and it clears oh. out your sinuses. Yeah. It's supposed to be very good for your overall health. Yeah. Yes. So I get terrible, terrible sinus infections. I mean, you can hear like my voice constantly sounds nasally. I'm just constantly blowing my nose. And when I get a cold, it's like it lasts like two weeks. I get sick all the time from colds. My immune system's not great anyway. I digress. I buy one of these Navages. Right. I was talking to somebody a couple of weeks ago because I said I try to use it before I go on a broadcast because it makes me sound makes my voice sound clear. I'm not blowing my nose as much, but the relief doesn't last that long. It feels like it only lasts like an hour or so. And so I was talking to somebody and they said, "Don't use tap water. Use distilled water." So go to Kroger or something. UDF. UDF, go to UDF. Buy yourself a jug of distilled water. Pony water is too good for that. You don't want to use Pony. You want to drink yeah, you don't Pony. want to do You that. want to drink Pony water. You're right. not throwing Pony water in your sinuses. Right. Go get yourself some distilled water and then put the little saline cap in there and then use it. And it's supposed to give you longer lasting really? relief. I have not tried that yet. I just learned about this the other day. I'll have to tell I my bride about that. I have not tried that yet. But I would love to know, because I don't use it every day. The person I was talking to uses it every day. Would love to know from somebody that uses it every day. If, somebody else. Yeah. Um, if they found that because he because he, he said he uses it every day and then the other guy that i was sitting there with said that he used it every day and it was the same way they said it my, my wife was trying to tell, tell our son who just recently had a sinus thing to try this thing right and i mean she said the sensation of it is really really weird oh man i it, mean it takes a long time yeah. so so the first few times i did it actually I, you 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 kind of have to like go in the shower because if you don't do it right you're gonna probably feel like you're choking you can't Obviously, you can't drown or anything because it, the way that it's not waterboarding. Yeah, it's not waterboarding, but it feels like you're getting water up your nose and the way that you have. Well, I mean, obviously, you're literally getting water up your nose, but if you do it wrong, it feels like it's getting stuck up there. But if you do it right, it feels like nothing's happening. It just goes up one side and out the other and it drains you all out. It's great. It's good stuff, especially now in the spring if you have allergy issues. So go to UDF, get yourself some distilled water and, and we'll report back. Is that something you do every day or just? You, you don't have to. It's not, it's not a, like a prescribed thing. It's not a medical thing. You just, you can do it once a week. You can do it when you get sick and your nose is clogged up and it flushes you out or you can do it every day. And I consider myself very nasally. So oh, yeah. I might try it. Yeah. You got to give it a go. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to try it here. I, I'll, as a matter of fact, I'll try it tonight and, and we'll get a full report tomorrow. All right. There we go. I'll give it a go. I was supposed to wear that tired Viking hat. Of that whole tired act. Sir boy, but I got the, it. Um, yeah. It fits you. Looks good on you. And we had a bet yesterday that if the Reds swept the Tampa Bay race, I would wear that on the program tomorrow. But we know that that now is in the past. Rubber game coming up here in about an uh, hour and a half, two hours. A um, couple of things I want to hit on since we're only on for a short time. I There is a really interesting piece done today uh, on ESPN.com. Uh, and it's written by a fella named, let me see if I can find this real quick, named uh, Brian Barnwell. He's a, a writer there, covers the NFL, so on and so forth. And he, he does a thing today that for every team in the NFL, a proposed trade for, that that team could make before the draft. And I find this one to really be an interesting proposal here, Okay that the Bengals trade Jonah Williams, right? Right. Who they're asking to move from left tackle to right tackle after acquiring Orlando Brown Jr. last month. Okay, he's already requested a trade. Now, Tristan Wirfs uh, is a really good right tackle. Uh, missed a lot of time this season when they had moved him over to left. But they prefer to have him on the right side down in Tampa. So, you give Williams a chance to kind of restart his career, right? To go to Tampa. So the proposal would be is you basically flip-flop picks, okay, in the first and third rounds this year with Tampa Bay. Williams goes off to Tampa Bay. The Bengals would move up from 28 to 19 in the draft, where the chances are far more likely at 19 than 28, obviously, that if you wanted to use that pick to go get one of these big-time tackles, one of those guys is going to be available. Casey, your thoughts, if any? 
Yeah, I mean, I per, not knowing all the details on on what they're. You said the third third round. It, it would be a first round, so it would be um, yes. It would be the Bengals would get in the first round the nineteenth pick. Okay. In the third round, the eighty second pick. So you're basically okay. moving up ten spots in the first round and the third, third round, round, and Tampa is dropping down ten spots in the first and the third. They would get the 28th pick in the first round. They would get the 92nd pick in the third round, and they get Jonah Williams. Yeah, so just to, to um, maybe put it in perspective, at 19, you're looking at guys like potentially like Paris Johnson Jr. falling or Broderick Jones or Darnell Wright, and I'd be happy with all three of those guys at tackle um, at the right side. I know what uh, – Two of those guys, I think, are, are left tackles. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I'd be happy with that. And then if you're looking at the third round, I mean, you could still potentially get your your tight end, like Tucker Craft. Um, you're probably not going to get him past the fourth. You know, there's a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of positives to that. You could still get your, your – your Running back? Yeah, your running back. Um, a good corner, a good corner. I, I like that trade a lot. I really do. I think it has a lot of benefits for both sides. The one thing that, um, that does though, is make it so they have a lot of choices and not that that's a bad thing, but it, it could potentially be a bad thing where they have all these options available to them instead of just picking whatever the best the BPA is they go with the need over the the the, the best player because you know they yeah. have the option well I, it's a good problem to have that's a good problem yes it is right right but I like the trade a lot I do too I think it's very very smart uh, you know basically this value according to uh, the writer Barnwell is that the value placed on Williams in this trade, when you factor in everything, money, uh, flip-flopping spots in the first and third rounds, is basically putting Jonah Williams at a third-round draft choice right around the 65th pick in the draft. And right now where his career is, you know, he did not play well last season, uh, really didn't play all that well the year before. He got hurt last year. He's coming off knee surgery. He's making pretty good money. He doesn't want to be a right tackle. You know, the value of him right now, where his career sort of sits, and I still think the guy's going to have a good career. I really do. Um, is is basically at a 65th pick, and that seems to be a fair value. So, you know, I don't know if that's something the Bengals are exploring at all. You made the comment that when they asked uh, uh, Zach Taylor with a few of the guys in town to go through some stuff the last day or two, that he basically said, I'm not sharing any of my conversations that I've had with Jonah Williams uh, publicly. I'm keeping those private, right? Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, I that's, to me, I don't know. It didn't sound like, to me, that Jonah was going to be there. Um, that's the that's the sort of vibe I, I'm getting from it. You can't really take much away from that press conference, but just the way that he answered it and – um, body language, which you can't really read too much into it. It just seems like Jonah will probably not be here next year, just from just from that alone. And the fact that um, they had voluntary workouts start, I think it was Tuesday. Mm -hmm. um, they had some some guys that weren't there, some guys that were there that were surprising, like some of the injured injured guys like Wouzier was there. Yep, and, and um, apparently very good reports on him. Running, yeah. jumping, doing all the stuff. Says he's going to be full go, ready to go come opening night. Yeah, which is great. All right, let me ask you this, though. You shared with me, and I wasn't there. Yeah. But I'm going to make it a point, if we can, depending on, you know, the show, once we get into the fall and all that kind of thing. Uh, I, I don't know if we can make it happen, but I'm going to try to see if occasionally we can't make it happen, uh, is to go to some of these Zach Taylor press conferences. That he has regularly. Yeah. Because did you share with me the other day that I don't know if you watched the whole thing or not. Did yeah, you? I did. I went there was not a single question to Zach Taylor about Joe Mixon. Not one. I mean, you have got to be kidding me. I mean, I thought they would have at least asked 
for some comments on Joe Mixon. He would probably say something to the regards of, you know, you know, dismissive and let's move on. You know, the situation's going to play out or whatever. Um, they don't know. Maybe they don't know a whole lot. And maybe they, they told ask, the but... press ahead of time. We don't know. I mean, right. I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, give the benefit of the doubt here because there are a lot of smart people that cover this team. Some of them we have on this show. Yeah. Right. And, and they're very bright and they do their jobs exceptionally well. So I'm not going to sit here and, you know, they might have been told beforehand, hey, look, don't even bring it up because we ain't getting into it. Right. Right. I don't know. Yeah. But if that did not happen, that, that is almost inconceivable that somebody sitting in that room didn't have it cross their mind to ask about Joe Mick, who, by the way, was there working out. He's still under contract with the team. So he showed up, right? So, I mean, I mean if the guy's there, or even if he's not there, again, I, I, I just can't understand it. I mean, right. right now, the two, well, the three biggest stories with the franchise, and I'm taking the, the long-term contract for Burrow out of the mix because we know it's coming. It's just how it's structured, okay? But the three biggest questions are obviously, in no particular order, Williams, yeah. Mixon, draft. Yeah. Right? I, I agree. And I thought, not that we're going to get super deep into this discussion, I just think the media sometimes struggles with asking the right type of questions to get certain answers out of the coaches. Like they didn't have to ask, did you talk to Jonah Williams to get an answer uh, to whether or not he's considered on the depth chart or not. They could have said, who's that competition at right tackle? And then they go list out the names and then Jonah Williams not there in that list, or he is. And then you have a better idea, and then you can answer a follow-up question. Did you talk to Jonah Williams or not? But they didn't ask, like, those follow-up questions to lead up to the bigger questions. They didn't ask them, Are, is there any plans to replace Samaje? Is there any plans to add a running back in the draft? Like, they didn't ask, like, what did what, what, what was asked, if you don't mind? I mean, I didn't. I'll go back and watch it if I have to. But I'm just kind of curious before we wrap it up. What 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 was asked in that press conference besides the Jonah Williams thing? Um, I mean, a lot of the questions were, um, how was the break? Um, what's the message going into next season um, with the players that are gone from free agency? Um, do you feel like you replaced the depth there good enough? So it was more of a broad question. Okay. I mean, they, they lumped in Samaje, but it was more about the secondary and the tight end spot. Um, they asked questions about um, Irv Smith, if he's considered the starter or not. Zach actually interestingly said that he believes that he can start and that they fully intend for him right now at this moment to replace Hayden Hurst snaps. So... I don't know if that maybe... Um, well, I don't think that's breaking news. Right. But I, I do think that maybe it has a little bit of effect on the draft. I just wonder if them re-signing Sample, which we didn't talk about yesterday, um, changes the way they look at the whole tight end thing or whether the Bengals would be happy. And you know what? I wouldn't blame them for that position. If they just want to go a year by year, moving forward, running different guys in and out of here all the time, because I think those guys are replaceable at tight end. They brought in Hurst. Nobody talked about Hayden Hurst, and he had a heck of a year. Smith can come in here. Hopefully, he stays healthy. That's been his issue. But if he stays healthy, he's a talented cat. And, you know, I, I mean, I could see him doing that year-by-year year thing instead of picking somebody in the draft. Maybe they feel otherwise. They've forgotten more about it than I have. Um, the only other thing they really talked about was the guys that were injured like Awuzier and Lael and where they're at and how they feel about that, those guys. Going what do you forward. say about Collins? Um, Collins is not – he's not at the voluntary workouts. He's still getting rehab done. Um, they, Zach said that all of them were in the right direction. Okay. Ahead, ahead of schedule is what he said. Okay. So. All right. Well, that's good. That's good news because um, Lyle Collins, I'm not, I'm not going to throw him out of this mix quite yet. 
Not yet. Not yet. Big fella had a, has had a good career. Yeah. And if he can come back, maybe not for the start of the season, uh, but if he can come back, um, could be could be big. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, are you guys doing box lunch today? Uh, actually, Reed just texted about that. I'm not 100% sure if he is or not, but I have two things before we leave. Yes. One is the Bengals signed a big deal today. We are not sponsored by a chili company, so we are fine to talk about this. Skyline Chili, the new official sponsor of the Cincinnati Bengals. It is about time. It is a great day for the city of Cincinnati. Boys, this is all about the old adage, as we know, right? Money talks and the rest of it walks. Skyline is the king. I'm a Gold Star fan. I'm a Skyline fan. I'm a Cincinnati Chili fan. But Skyline is king. And now they're the king of the jungle. That's sad. It's a dark day. What? It's a dark day. Why I, is it a dark day? I, I love Gold Star. And I, when I think of Gold Star, I do think of the Bengals. They've been the official partner with them for 20 plus yeah, years. Yeah, that's the part that, you know, that, that, that's the part. I, th- I think you're right to some extent. Because, you know, look. Um. For years and years, I mean, the Bengals were a mess, right? right? And Gold Star stayed with them, even when they were a mess, year after year after year, either crummy teams or good teams that couldn't win a playoff game. And now all of a sudden the Bengals are good, and they're jumping ship. And again, you know what it gets down to, Casey? Cash. Cash. It's sad. I, I really think this hurts Gold Star, too. And just their business in general. I mean, I know they probably couldn't afford whatever price tag that they were, um, you know, trying to look for from the bank, or from 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 Gold Star. But I think this hurts more than it does them any good. Um, this is their big sponsor, uh, their big their big uh, yeah partnership. Yeah. So I don't know. It's dark days for Gold Star guys. Gold Star has great burgers. You know, you've told me that. I got to try one. Gold Star does have very good. There was a Gold Star. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was underneath where I lived when I was at Xavier. And I can't stand Gold Star's chili, but I liked their burgers. And I would go down there every once in a while for dinner and get a burger. How did you good. ever get a date? You had to smell like chili all the time. Oh, my God. I had Skyline. I had Coney's on Sunday, and Lizzie came over. Literally, the first thing she said was, you had Skyline today, didn't you? It's bad. Because I get extra onions. It's It's bad. No mustard, extra onions. Okay. All right. Uh, sorry to throw everybody for a loop here today. We got thrown for a loop, as I mentioned, with um, Dan McLaughlin. So uh, tomorrow we're back locked and loaded. We got a lot of great football guests coming up over the next couple of days. I'm going to tell you, if there is one dude you got to check out, and I hope he brings his A game tomorrow, it is Howard Eskin from Philadelphia. Ooh. Because for those who don't know this guy – um, you've seen a thousand clips of it. Now you talk about showing up at press conferences and not afraid to ask the question. This is Howard Eskin in Philadelphia. He was the equivalent of say Paul Doherty here in town with times 10 more explosive, right? I mean, there are clips from him and Charlie Manuel going at it in the manager's office after some random game. Uh, he is, uh, he's on television in Philadelphia now. Uh, I used to go on his pregame show before all the Eagles games, whenever I'd get an Eagles game. He is going to be on tomorrow and to talk about the Eagles. They just signed Hurts to the big deal and uh, looking forward to that. And I'm trying to remember, we're also joined by someone else to talk football tomorrow, and I'm drawing a blank. Men of Steel, we're going to cover them on Friday. I know. Men of Aluminum. Uh, we do have a cherry on top here, Tom. All right, and, and we are going to have box lunch. We, we having it at 11 coming up? Right now. All right, well, hang on. Let's do this first. Go ahead. You see this every once in a while. Nick Ahmed last night. Watch this. Just wait. See it there initially. You see a replay of this. You see this every once in a while, maybe one or two times a year. Hits the dirt. Digs wow. it out of the dirt. Wow. That's impressive. 
Bounce. How about that? How about that? Nick Ahmed. Yeah. Say, Diamondbacks playing good baseball. They got that big stud that all of a sudden is just blowing it up uh, that they brought up from the minor leagues. Uh, They're playing very good baseball leaders in the National League West. All right. uh, Reed Mouse, what's happening, big boy? Not much. You know us playing good baseball, Tom? Uh, Let me think. Tampa Bay's off to a good start. Milwaukee's playing great. Yeah. Um, the Mets have picked it up. Atlanta, I think, is 14-4. and four. So those are some of the teams that kind of come to mind. It mm. had to be one of those, right? No, it's, it's, it's the Chicago Cubs. They're starters, best ERA in the National League, and they're scoring the most runs in the National League. The Cubs are for real, Tom. Tom, you mentioned Charlie Manuel earlier. You ever meet Charlie Manuel? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's more fiery, him or Bobby Cox? Because they're both fiery. Well, they're both similar kind of guys. You know, Bobby Cox is a California guy, but basically, for all intents and purposes, he's become a Southern guy. Charlie Manuel is born and raised a Southern guy who moved up and managed in Philadelphia and Cleveland. Um, Charlie Manuel is a freaking awesome guy. I mean, just, you know, what you see is what you get. They get fired up now, and Bobby used to lead the league every year in ejections. I think he has the record. Yeah, of- but but as far as just to sit down with, and you see that in a lot of guys, where you know, when you'll sit and talk to them, very, very laid back and all shucks. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you get between those proverbial white lines. And, I mean, you know, look out. But, but if Cox, to answer your question, if, if he's the all-time leader in ejections, then he's got to be the guy. Who is the most fiery manager you ever met or you ever called or, or around? Because those two would be at the top of the list. Well, Pinella was certainly right there without a doubt. Um but you saw that in his personality as well when he wasn't on the field. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, as far as, yeah. But as far as intensity, constant, never-ending. And when I say never-ending, I mean never-ending. Would sleep nights at the ballpark in his office. Mm-hmm. The constant foot-on-the-gas guy is Buck Showalter. Really? Never seen anybody like the guy. What do you think of that of the people that sleep in their office? Well, I mean, you know, it was weird. I was out there in Arizona. They had a they had a thing in his office when they built the ballpark. And he had asked for this in his office because he was hired two years ahead of time. He was hired right before I was. Yeah. And um, they swooped him up at midnight. That series when the Yankees, he was managing when they lost to Seattle when Ken Griffey Jr. comes running around the bases and slides to win it for Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was Buck Showalter's last game as manager of the Yankees. They had not given him a contract. Um, and at midnight, when his contract expired at midnight, Jerry Colangelo, the owner of the Suns, signed Showalter at 12.01 to be his manager, beating the Yankees to try and re-sign him. So they bring him in. When you walk in the manager's office, and I think it's probably still there at uh, Chase Field, there, there's a Murphy bed there. So when you walk in, it just looks like this wall. And all of a sudden, you push a button. There's, there's your double bed. You're dialed in. What about, the, I didn't know that, that I never knew how Buck Showalter left the Yankees. Yeah. I didn't know that he got signed by the, the Diamondbacks. 1201A. And that gave the Yankees a chance to go sign Joe Torre, who was not a good ma- – like, hadn't had a whole lot of success, right? Terrible. Right. It was a terrible manager, and then, of course, the rest is history. I can't remember – oh, I, I think the, the headline in one of the New York papers, if I remember this right, I'm pretty sure this is right. One of the, you know, the splash headlines they have, the Post, the Daily News, whatever it is, uh, not Paul's, you know, uh, paper of preference in New York um, – the old gray lady, whatever she tired gray lady, whatever she's called. Uh, but they have they have the, uh, the you like that didn't you, Paul? Oh, they yeah. have the the, the 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 headline was "Say it ain't Joe." <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, did not win uh, in Atlanta. Did not win. Was he in um, Was he in St. Louis or or the Angels? Can't remember. He had managed two different teams. And it had not gone well. Atlanta won them for sure. And, um, and then look what happened. That was 95, the playoff series. 96, they won the World Series. Right? 90s. 90s, they won in 96. 90, 
2000. Yep, they won four or five. The Marlins, the Marlins spoiled in '97, but they beat the Indians in '97. Yeah, but they could have had a they could have had a five peat. Yep, but the Diamondbacks ran them over in 01. All right. Um, what's on box lunch here today, big boy? You're getting a little bit earlier start than normal. My apologies for that. Boy, I like the lineup here. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of uh, news here, sports news here in Cincinnati. So we've got a jam-packed show. I mean, the Hunter Hunter Green signings, big news, and yep. we'll start talking about the other extensions. Um, they there seemed to be some more clarity on the the whole Joe Mixon situation. Um, one of the the national NFL reporters, and then Paul Daner Jr. also reported about what was going to happen with Joe Mixon. Um, and then, obviously, there's some news inside the AFC North with uh, Allen Robinson going to the Steelers. So, jam-packed show. Going to have a lot to talk about. Fired up. All right. Yeah. Well, then uh, let it begin right now. Casey, Paul, thank you, gentlemen. Sure. Uh, you got to get rid of that, that uh, Viking thing. Why? Because they got beat. Well, maybe we keep it for when they sweep another team. And then, then we wear it. Okay. I don't know. All right. Gentlemen, thank you. Thank all of you. And again, my apologies today. Uh, I was thrown for a loop and no excuses. It is what it is. Uh, back full two hours tomorrow and Friday. Looking forward to it. Uh, draft is coming up a week from tomorrow. So we have lots of football to talk about. Obviously, uh, anything and everything that is Reds. And always on Friday, we touch on Casey's FC Cincinnati squad. Oof. That right. talk's going to get tired soon. Boy, have Man. you thrown uh, in the towel. All right, time for box lunch. It begins right now. We'll see you tomorrow, good Lord willing. Have a great day on this beautiful sunny day in the Nats.